Uh, welcome, Lee, uh, and welcome everybody to the Taurus Report. So this week, uh, well, actually uh, last week or the week before, marked one year uh, since we first started getting these new images from the uh, James Webb Space uh, Telescope in our literature and stuff, we say JWST quite often. So if that's what we say, then you'll know what, it, what we're talking about. And so um, I was hoping to discuss this today uh, with my colleague Lee Greer. Uh, he's joining the uh, Taurus Report. And Lee is the scientist who put up and maintains the EnlightenmentLegacy.com uh, website, which I'll be sharing some links from there uh, as we discuss all this. So uh, as, as is usual for the Taurus Report, I put all the links in the comment. For any sites that we discuss, the links will be in the comments, so you'll be able to access all of that. Uh, Lee and myself, we have uh, a... A few things in our outlook that are in common. Uh, first, we have, we question uh, the hot Big Bang cosmology, the uh, LCDM cosmology, and uh, we both feel that something new is needed. Uh, maybe it's not totally clear quite yet what exactly that will be, uh, although obviously we have some ideas. Uh, but the main thing is, I think we share the view, uh, Lee, that that we really need, the scientific community really needs to move in a different direction in a big way uh, yes. on all this. Um, and so uh, a year on since uh, JWST first uh, started giving us all these images, which we feel kind of challenges uh, standard cosmology, and we were kind of hoping that uh, maybe more scientists would feel that way. There's a few that do, but by and large, it seems like a lot of the community has sort of kind of shrugged their shoulders at it. And so, Lee, uh, uh, I guess uh, what I would like to start with is just to ask, uh, in your opinion, uh, the things that we first saw from JWST that, in your opinion, most challenge uh, standard cosmology. Right, right. Well, um, I think some of the things that that immediately stood out very quickly within the first few days of their releasing papers is the fact that the further that as far as you looked out there, there's there seemed to be uh, a lot of fairly normal morphology galaxies uh, <clears throat> that 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 stretch off into the to the distance. I, I've heard figures as many as and the number of galaxies is very large too, 100,000 times more than expected from, from the ordinary merger hypothesis beyond, out in the high redshift zones beyond uh, Z equals 10 approximately. You know? Right, so to just give a little bit of context for anybody who, who might be a lay person and just kind of curious about all of it, just to give some kind of idea, like for the Milky Way, it takes something like what, uh, 200 million or 300 million years for the galaxy to make one rotation. Yeah, about, right? about 250 million years, as I understand it. And yeah. so then, if we're talking about a universe that's 13.8 billion years old, that's not too many rotations. And so the way standard cosmology approaches it, one would expect that as you start looking back and you get closer and closer to the supposed origin of all this, the Big Bang, 
Yes. You would expect the universe to look quite a bit different than it does now, the closer you get to the Big Bang. And that's, bas that's right. basically what you're saying. That's correct. Well, the standard theory, uh, there are a number of things. The standard cosmology, which is the lambda cold dark, we, we call it the hot Big Bang, but it's the lambda cold dark matter version of the hot Big Bang um, because of the thermalization and the you know, the, the black body radiation and, and many other uh, interpretations of, of parameters in the early universe. Uh, galaxies were supposed to have built up by mergers post during the time of reionization. Mm -hmm. So the, the surface of last thermal scattering of, or of last scattering is about supposed to be about 380,000 years after the Big Bang, and that's supposed to give us the micro, cosmic microwave background radiation. Right, that's the CMB that is supposedly the background of everything else uh, uh, as we look out into the cosmos. Exactly, exactly. And this, and this background is supposed to, within a few tolerances, be equal to, to, to a black body curve, mm -hmm. which is uh, what the type of radiation which 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 comes from a body in full ther thermal equilibrium mm -hmm. which is a very high tolerance to have right at the beginning of an explosive universe to, to have everything yeah that solid. that's an aspect of it that i i you know as you know in my own theory cgc i i maintain that uh, what the cmb actually is is the outer reaches of the universe that are in full equilibrium with the interior universe in that uh, no radiation can escape the universe, according to uh, my belief. And yeah. so whatever goes into those outer uh, reaches, as far as energy, that same quantity comes out. And so the outer reaches are actually a perfect black body. Uh, in my view, but if you're saying that they're they represent the hot Big Bang, it never really has made sense to me how that could be considered something in in equilibrium. I I don't really understand. That. Well, I think what the part of the issue is there, they needed something to thermalize it to that level, and that was part of the motivation for for the invention in 1980 of the inflationary hypothesis by Alan Guth and and other people um, where he basically said uh, Guth's argument was well and he did have work that he did with with others of course he had a lot of help with that he published a paper in 1981 the, in the physics review journal D called inflationary universe a possible solution to the horizon and flatness problems okay because all of the old Friedman, you know, the, the, the earlier Big Bang models, Friedman, Lemaitre, Gamow, and, and so forth, they simply did high, hypotheses. But um, Guth set out to solve, solve, solve the problem. If you look back in time, time goes back to zero. Um, temperature goes to infinity. That means it's right. undefined for, for, you know, and no theory exists which can define it. And right, because uh, the density and temperature, uh, which is kind of funny, but density and temperature, uh, uh, you know, both are going up uh, to right. practi for practical purposes to infinite levels. The the closer and closer you get to the uh, to the hot Big Bang, yes. 
correct. You're supposed to. It's not supposed to be on the order of the Planck mass, which is about 1.22 times 10, 10 to, to, to the 19 giga electron volts. So this huge number, um, and it went into thermal equilibrium. It cooled. It did a super cooling, where where it um, uh, as it it spread. It it's called a super cooling that that was higher than sort of like a false vacuum above the regular vacuum background the background and that cooling that rapid supercooling caused this re very rapid expansion and smoothed out the, the matter energy context right context. and that that's inflation and and of course uh, uh, inflation was not uh, ever observed, uh, but it is yeah. something that is posited because otherwise uh, it's very difficult to explain everything else under the, this standard theory. Uh, if you don't have inflation, there's a lot of things that are very difficult to explain. Uh, and, and so right. so inflation, in my opinion, uh, is thought up uh, uh, to save the theory. Okay, We need for this to have happened, otherwise we can't explain a lot of this stuff. Exactly. We've we've got what what is called the horizon problem and the flatness problem. How do you get down to such tolerances where where the curvature of the universe approximates a Euclidean very close, a Euclidean flat 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 surface if it all came from one location. And then once if it if it has all come from one location and the universe is expanding outwards then you're left with the horizon pro problem. There are going to be parts of the universe which are in reasonable communication with each other where the predecessors of those parts are causally separated in time. There would never have been time following the rules of special relativity for, right. for an effect to even out across this, this whole field of uh, view. So we, we wouldn't have the homogeneity that we're seeing. Correct. Correct. You wouldn't have the homogeneity, and the homogeneity is doubtless connected with the with the thermal smoothness, the, the thermal equilibrium of this black box radiation of this supposed perfect black box rate, you know, black box radiation, right. black box ra radiation. Right. 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 Okay, so uh, uh, with uh, JWST, then, uh, the first thing that was very challenging is they look back, the universe, see, from the images we were seeing, in the past it looked very much like what the universe looks like now. And right. uh, we also had these uh, massive galaxies in the sense of uh, uh, we weren't expecting these uh uh, standard galaxies like what we have now to be fully formed uh, in that first billion years. Uh, right. So that was the uh, second thing uh, that that uh, JWST showed that was challenging the standard cosmology. Yeah, let me make a couple other statements okay. too okay. about that because it's important to understand so much of this is tied together with with this um, field that was postulated by Alan Guth and other in inflationary cosmologists, which is which gives us the basic parameters where if you make certain adjustments, you can set solve parameter issues which arise in an ordinary f 
Friedman equation uh, type universe, uh, Robertson Walker Lemaitre Freedom Friedman equ uh, universe, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, there was also the problem. Some problems have gone away, like the question of of charge parity symmetry. You know that there should be uh, monopoles and and equal amounts of antimatter and all of that stuff in there, right? Right, right. Well, the consequence and the breakthrough which he saw was was that 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 when this period of cooling went down from the time it started and it's in a few orders of magnitude of the fraction of a second there the universe cooled by 28 more ordered orders of magnitude which is right in fraction of a second yes yes right <laughs> So this is the kind of thing that we just have to accept on faith, because otherwise the whole theory falls apart. So, yes. That is exactly right. <laughs> We've called it the sorcery of reading the uh, CMB radiation, you know. So. Right. That's right. So, uh, okay. And then, uh, let's see, there were a few other things that uh, uh, we had... Uh, discussed here um oh the uh the fact of uh basically stretching space uh we had mentioned that according to standard cosmology um once uh, einstein's uh, expansion factor uh that was tacked on to general relativity once that came to be interpreted as space itself stretching, there were some logical consequences to that. And one of which is that normally when we look at objects, uh, as they get further away from us, they get smaller. Yes. And, and that's just uh, uh, standard, you know, I'll even call it uh, common sense day-to-day -day experience of everyone, you know. Uh, yes. But if the... Uh, uh, expansion rate idea is correct that space itself is stretching now in normal scales uh, we would not notice it for anything close to us okay but when you start getting to intergalactic uh, scales it becomes significant and in that case once you start getting uh, out and i forget the exact uh, how far exactly i think something like uh, uh, z of eight or six or something like that once you get out far enough then actually uh the size the angular size of something at those distances as it gets further uh will not shrink as it gets further and further away from us its angular size should stay the same uh, and, and even, even grow, and even grow, grow a little bit, right? and even grow a little bit, and that's just a consequence of believing in this uh, stretching space idea. And one of the things that uh, uh, the Webb Telescope did not show uh, was this: uh, we have uh, galaxies that appear to get smaller, angular size appear to get smaller with distance, even beyond that. Okay, and so one would think that when you see that demonstration of, uh, of that, that everyone would say, okay, well, then expansion of space is disproven. Um, well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead, Joe. Yes, yeah. and so, 
and that's the kind of thing where I, I, I am uh, very much disappointed. It, it's like we keep seeing all these things contrary to what standard uh, theory predicts. Yes. It just seems like anything that contradicts standard theory is just everybody just stops talking about it. So Yes, sadly. I mean, what one can say about that, because everything is closer, as you mentioned, uh, the, angu the angular size of the galaxy should, should, should appear larger. But we were not seeing that even under the old Hubble Space Telescope. However, the James Webb has made it two to three times smaller these galaxies as far as their angular size and they basically come close to to a sort of euclidean fall fall away almost as far as the what you would expect to see in a universe where redshift is proportional to distance you know, you know. right right yes and so that that is another thing and then uh, we keep seeing oh very it seems like every week some new thing comes out where uh, scientists in various ways try to uh, uh, save standard theory. Uh, my, mm. I, I believe my last uh, Taurus report, I talked about how uh, with the metallicities that we're seeing, yes. uh, some theorists were positing that there were some early supergiant stars, which we don't right. see because they're incredibly short-lived, supposedly. Right. And the super giant stars were able to uh, create uh, uh, in fast motion all these metallicities that we're seeing. Whereas yeah. uh, in our observed experience, as we look around the universe, uh, we see stars go through a kind of a set life cycle. And we got a pretty good idea of how long it takes uh, to get these kinds of metallicities. And... Uh, and so they had to come up with sort of exotic uh, things to try to explain it at the beginning. Uh, but again, the exotic things that uh, are that they come up with are not observed. They're just posited. Um, that, that's correct. That That is absolutely correct. If I may share a screen brief I wanted to show sure. about. Sure. Yes, please. About just a second here. Let me find the right spot. Okay. And I have a screen share. And there it is. Here is what some of, sorry, it's a little bit. No, it's there. perfect. I can see it. It's good. Okay, good. Very good. Here is, here is what uh, the background radiations are that do it, that, that are observed in the universe. Going um, from. Yeah, excuse me, Lee. Could you say what is on the vertical axis and what is on the horizontal axis? Sure, absolutely. On the vertical axis is, is the log intensity of of the uh, radiation that we find in these backgrounds or in the discrete sources. Uh -huh. okay. Along the horizontal axis is the log frequency. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you go all the way from, from discrete radio sources all, all the way down to hard gamma rays. So here are discrete radio sources. Here is the cosmic micro, uh, this is the microwave background radiation. There's an infrared background radiation, an optical, the ultraviolet part, soft x-rays, hard x-rays, soft gamma, and hard gamma going all the way up here in mm -hmm. a log. Of so waves. as you move to the right, you get higher energy waves. Higher energy and higher, higher frequency. Right. Correct. Now, for some reason, the only, well, 
there is a picking out of the microwave part of this background as being of cosmological significance, and the rest of these tend to be not discussed as being cosmological, cosmologically significant. Uh -huh. So, just wanted to draw your attention to that. But 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 if we actually look at the small anisotropies, which are in this, this is from the 1992 Kobe view. This is about. 2700 uh, 27 of a de degree these variations be, be between the hot pink and, and the blue uh -huh. you would say and that 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 was improved by the Wilkinson microwave anisotropy map here greater um, clarity and then ultimately by uh, by the Planck map so here here's Kobe the, the, the Williams uh, I mean the Wilkinson anisotropy map and then the Planck Mm -hmm. and steady today, improvement. A steady improvement and a seeming more uh, dis discrete number of sources. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, for a while, they thought, oh, there's a polarization signal in there, meaning the way that the, because the electromagnetic waves in a classical sense are perpendicular to, to, to each other. And so that, that they thought there's a polarization there. And they said, that's a prediction of the uh, in inflation, and there was a lot of excitement, and people thought, okay, we're 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 about to give give some Nobel prizes for for inflationary theory and all of that stuff. Uh huh. But uh, and there were astronomers who were appalled by how not poorly the the data were were vetted. It turned out that the polarization was seemed to be an artifact of interstellar dust within our galaxy. I see. Which and just for uh, for people yeah. who, who may be watching polarization, light has an orientation. Correct. So uh, what you would expect, uh, or what I would expect, I should say, is, is for the light coming from distant sources to be of all different orientations. So it just right. would be uh, randomly oriented. So when the light hits us, it would be randomly oriented every which way. Like totally random. Now, if it hits us and its orientation is not random, that's what we yeah. mean by uh, polarized light. And it can be yeah. polarized to different degrees. But we, if yeah. we're expecting random and we see some pattern in the orientation of the light, then uh, that is what Lee is talking about here. Sorry for okay. that interruption. Oh, yeah, Lee. no, okay. that's great. That's great. Now, here's what this spectrum, this, this is called the power spectrum, the the uh, this line right here is supposed to be the black body curve and then there are supposed to be waves from different events they're called acoustic baryonic acoustics you know the type of echo of the transitions that that happened there uh, in the early universe it okay, and uh, I, I'm sorry, oh. Lee, but uh, might I interrupt again just to, oh, if you can go back to that, uh, to that drawing, and I just yes. want for the viewers to explain a little bit what they're looking at here. Yes, so so th th this is what's, uh, what's going on here. If you look out at the uh, universe, you will notice that uh, uh, your light sources, they kind of clump together, and scientists have different ways of evaluating what I am going to call clumpiness. Okay. Yes. And mm -hmm. so you have little teeny clumps and you've got big giant clumps. And what yeah. this power spectrum does is, uh, now I want to look here. 
Um, well, I have to be careful because I, I got to see which end is the big clumps and which end is the small ones. Uh, uh, to, to, I think to the to the right are smaller clumps. Smaller, yes. Correct. Okay. So what this means is when you see a peak right here, it means that you see a lot of clumps of this particular size. Yes. Okay. And when you see this peak here, that means another set of clumps in the universe, clumps of light sources of, of another different size. And so uh, this is uh, how common different size clumps are in the universe. And uh, so again, right. so again, Lee, uh, sorry for that interruption there, but no, that's, please proceed. That's perfect. And what you see as you go across there is kind of with the multipole, uh, parameter is is how the the anisotropy uh, the, the anisotropies uh, vary as you go down this this scale. This is what's observed, and they try to fit parameters to to make it so they can explain all the ups and downs of this acoustic spectrum peak. That's right. Peak. So they mm -hmm. they throw in things like dark matter. They throw in things like dark energy. Uh, yep. They throw in uh, 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 baryonic mass and gravity yes. from that, and uh, and temperature and ver various things to try to be able to predict this shape. Exactly. I believe I have an animation down down here, which which. Oh, shows... that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see if I can. Okay. Right. So. All right. Well, wait. 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 I can find it a little bit later if, but. All right. Well, okay. So now the now the problem is, suppose what gives us the right to think? Let's just go back to 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 the spectrum at the very top. Here's some of that polarization issue, right? Okay, which they thought was was primordial. They're they're called B modes, but they're actually turns out this is from the bicep two data experiment. It actually turns out that this is uh, the the mundane explanation of dust in the galactic uh, in the galaxy. Yeah. Yes, and so this diagram is is showing ways in which light is oriented as it comes towards towards us, and Correct. so uh, they found that the dust explained this. Yes, that they could not rule that out as what was causing it, and. Uh, Brian, Brian Keating of UCSD occupies the chair of, of Jeffrey Burbage from before in astronomy. He wrote a book called Losing the Nobel Prize and because he, he was part of the experiment. And when they found out that, that this did not predict, that, that, that this did not arise from the predictions of inflationary theory, but, but, but it was dust, it, it, was, it became very clear that it was all overhyped, you know. Right, right. So, um, let's see. One thing that you can say, if you're going to have all of this, these little anisotropies here, why not just re recognize that in many ways these, these anisotropies fit objects in the nearer universe? That, that maybe many of these anisotropies are not generated primordially, but in the more recent uh, universe as you would expect with pretty much all the rest of the spectrum, right? Uh-huh, right. In other words, it's coming from stuff uh, within the universe. Correct. Not at some 
pristine place where it's unaffected by the transmission across the light years. You know, I can stop sharing if you want to take it somewhere else. I may okay. find that animation in a minute. So. All right, all right, that that would be fine. So uh, just a few things uh, that uh, I had wanted to mention, and uh, I am going to, uh, oh, maybe I should share screen so that you can see it. I mean, the uh, let's see here. Let's share. All right, now I am sharing screen. Okay. All right, go. so let's go to some of the things. I just want to uh, mention uh, some of the articles out there um, yes. of various scientists uh, trying to deal with what JWST is uh, seeing and also, in this case, trying to deal with the, uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, Hubble tension. Okay, so it's uh, articles like this that I'm seeing crop up all over the place where, uh, and I read this article, and in this case, the scientist is explaining how the Hubble tension may be satisfied by introducing a new parameter where, and, and I am uh, going to kind of facetiously define it as where whatever, whatever era that we look back, whatever we need the expansion factor to be to explain what we're seeing, then we just come up with a way, a mathematical way of varying that expansion factor Yes. Depending on era. And the, it's like yep. a di, it's a dynamic uh, expansion factor. And so it is introducing another uh, parameter that can be manipulated. And I, I like on your website, Lee, where you yes. show that uh, this. OK, yes. where uh, Lee, Lee did this uh, this uh, uh, cycles within cycles to show how. If you have enough parameters to play with, you can make uh, basically anything you want to happen. You can claim yes. it's just the natural operating of the universe here. And so in my view, this is the kind of thing we're seeing where uh, scientists, rather than allowing their standard theory to be disproven, instead yes. they just keep introducing more and more epicycles into it to try to save it. So this is one example. Now, another example is this article here. And again, all these links will be in the, uh, all these links will be in the comments here. And this one, uh, Lee, you and I discussed last week a little bit, uh, too. So, uh, a scientist, uh, um, came up with looking back at the uh, results from web that we just discussed about how we're looking back and we're seeing galaxies that are uh, the wrong size if we're to ex uh, to accept the predictions of uh, standard cosmology about the expansion of space we're seeing galaxies that are that are the wrong size and so here, uh, the scientist is proposing that, well, maybe the universe is, you know, closer to 27 billion years old, 27 yes. billion years old, uh, as opposed to 13.8. Now, 
I do like the fact of being open to saying, okay, well, there has to be a major change from standard cosmology. And another thing that I liked about this article is that they did hold out for something which I have argued for, which is the fact that uh, tired light may be able to explain part of the redshift. Now, of course, I believe the redshift has two components. One is that galaxies are, in fact, in general, uh, moving away from us, accelerating away from us. And also, I also claim that tired light is uh, causing part of that redshift, although not all of it. And so I liked the fact that the article uh, uh, did that, okay? Right. Um, and so the thing that I don't like about it is that he still keeps a lot of the redshift due to the stretching of space. Uh, yes. Which I, I don't like that. He still keeps the uh, Big Bang uh, uh, idea. And he gets around uh, the difficulties by claiming that uh, physical constants uh, mutate with time. Okay, so right. various right. like right. like constants. coupling constants and everything else, and of yep. course, this brings us back to something you and I uh, uh, keep complaining about, or uh, I don't know if that's the right phrase, complaining about. Where, as I was saying, a, a thing that uh, we've kind of both been complaining about is that um, when scientists propose fixes, mm -hmm. which are unobserved. Yes. Right? They're unobserved, and that's what inflation is. Uh, it's things that are unobserved fixes that make everything come out right. And it's uh, my difficulty with that. And I teach mathematics. Uh, I am a sure. I teach calculus and statistics. Um, and so I'm a fan of math. But there is a yeah. subtle difference between a mathematical exercise and science. I mean, of course, science must express itself in consistent mathematics. I think everybody would agree with that. However, just because you can construct something to be mathematically consistent, that doesn't mean that it's real. <laughs> so that's a, a point that I like to, uh, to make. Uh, in any case, uh, Lee, is there anything else you would like to share tonight? Yeah, well, I just wanted to point out that that drawing there, as beautiful as it is, and it illustrates what I, what I was pointing out, uh, that drawing is not mine, which I have. On the oh, the, the pie. Right. right. On, on your website. Yes. That's Correct. Right. It, is, it is not mine, but I very va much value the, the contribution it makes to understanding this. Right. So if you have enough parameters, you can make anything happen. You can make anything happen. And one of the things that is there is there are, uh, you, you know, on the acoustic oscillations, uh, I link it there. There is, there are whole software pa packages where they try to, to have parameters that they can adjust to match the oscillations that they see within the cosmic microwave background. Right. You know, so, so that's. Let me, I'm going to see if I can find, find that animation really quick here. 
that's in another chapter, one that's not posted yet. Okay. Here, here we are. So if I may. Yeah, share. Go, go ahead and share. Briefly. There, there we are right there. Notice that there you start on one side, you know, on this side here with the modes, uh, you know, with the big modes, and then you go to, to finer and finer tuned, tuned, tuned modes. And see, like, that's, that's the map of the, you know, the, the a multiple elevation at those angular, dis, at, at those angular increments. Uh-huh. And what you see, they are trying to find different ways to run the, the monopole which, as I understand it, is a Fourier tra transform of the spectrum, right? Uh-huh. Fourier transform, yep. Yeah, uh, ex exactly, to to make it fit what is ob observed. And there's slight distances. If it's a hyperbolic universe, it looks a little bit different. If it's a, uh, if it's a uh, flat one or a closed spherical universe, you, ha you, you have a different pattern within that, you know, and all of that. So, so there's all these parameter uh, adjustments which have to be made to to make this this thing work. It's important to recognize that a lot of people today are questioning how primordially significant the the CMB right. really is and how much right. it reflects intermediate. Because matter. a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of standard cosmology is just uh, based on that interpretation of the CMB. It kind of it starts there. That and uh, I would say the other big thing is the fact of the uh, uh, redshift of most galaxies. Uh, so those two right. things I guess would be the twin pillars that are kind of holding up uh, standard cosmology. Those two interpretations of those things. Yes. So. Yes. Yes, that's correct. And then there's the whole issue about structure for formation. Where are all the mergers? Um, how come there are chemically, you know, met metallistically mature galaxies which appear very, very, very early? There, there, there seem to be a number of problems. Oh yes, that was another issue: is the metallicity of that we're seeing in these very early galaxies. Uh, Correct. Yes, that is that is another issue. And then, what are supposed to be the uh, the primordial abundances of some of the light elements? The lithium seven abundance is basically a factor of twenty twenty times off. Yeah. Now that that is a uh, another. I, I I seem to have a lot of pet peeves, uh, uh, Lee, and, and I run into these pet peeves because. I actually have had experience arguing about these things and all of this, uh, and something that uh, has people have used to kind of counter my arguments a number of times is the uh, abundances, uh, elemental abundances, you know, and they'll they'll say, well, you know, uh, standard cosmology can predict deuterium, and your theory can't, and it's like, uh, and I have to respond like, well. With my theory, I am one person, and I haven't really, I, I, I'm not like thousands of scientists working for a hundred years to construct something. I'm just one person. And so I haven't really looked at the deuterium thing, 
But if we're going to go there, if you're going to say that deuterium proves your cosmology, then I can say that lithium disproves it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so it's like, you know, you got to, uh, it's the old thing about being falsified, right? Where uh, you have to explain how your theory is falsifiable. And if you're mm -hmm. going to drag in deuterium abundances, you know, to kind of shore up your idea, then you've got to deal with lithium abundances. Well, that, you know, well, and so then it's like, <laughs> yes. Plus, in a paradigm, if one if one aspect of a hypothesis fails, the whole thing fails. You can't have, you're not supposed to have all the parts right except for two or two or three. Right. Yes. You've, 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 you've got to make predictions across the board. Otherwise, all it takes you, is one to disprove it. That's exactly, that's exactly right. Now, that's one right. of the things that has also emerged, if, if I might mention one last thing, if, if it's okay. By sure, you, sure. Uh, is there is a phenomena in the cosmic wave, microwave background which suggests that there are large-scale features, sort of like concentric circles, which extend uh, where, where there is re reduced anisotropy in temperature, which extend across eight degrees of the sky these are huge if right. this was the surface of last scattering since since the big bang of 380,000 years after the big bang then these structures are are even much these uh lowered anisotropy concentric circles are much lower are much larger than than than, than some of the largest galactic and quasar structures that we know about in the universe what causes that it doesn't fit the Lambda CDM. Of course, Roger Penrose has his own theory about what can cause these rings and so forth. And there's disputes about them and everything. But it suggests, again, that there's a problem with ascribing the terribly smooth anisotropy and, and homogeneity and all of that across the universe as the Big Bang demands. Right. That's right. Yes, and so to uh, just a few things I'd want to point out to viewers who might not know the terminology, anisotropies, uh, an isotropy uh, just means a kind of a uh, uh, sameness. Yes. So if, if things are isotropic, it means they're the same. Anisotropic means that you see differences. Okay, and, so, with, and with isotropy, it's, it's particularly angular dif differences. It's not the same as homogeneity. It is angular differences. Does the sky look the same in that orientation as it does in, in that angle of view? Yeah. Right, right. So, um, yes, and so there just are a lot of challenges here. And I just feel that, you know, as we've iterated several times tonight, um, that the response of most cosmologists mm -hmm. uh, is to uh, introduce epicycles to the current theory. Yes. And I just feel that this is a very unproductive direction for most cosmologists to be going towards, uh, where what needs to, to happen is for them to say, okay, this uh, GR, uh, LCDM, Big Bang thing, is disproven and yes. we, we need to start trying to construct something else to take its place 
Um, yes. And that is uh, sort of what we're rooting for, I think. So. I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Lee. Well, I want to thank you so much for uh, joining us today on the uh, Taurus Report. And, thank you so much, Joe. Uh, for everyone watching, I am going to put uh, Lee's uh, site uh, uh, in the comments again. And I really recommend going through it because he has done a ton of work and there is a lot there. Uh, it would take uh, quite a bit of time to get through it all. And it's all relevant to what we're talking about. And so um, uh, thank you all very much for joining us uh, today. And we will see you next time on the Taurus Report. Bye-bye for now.